0: Welcome, Dr. James Beckett Sports Card Insights. This is an outtake episode with Andy Friedman. As I said, Renaissance Man, the, uh, Tops uh, Spotlight 70. Check it out. We just kept going and uh, here's some more uh, philosophy and hopefully some sports card insights. Thanks sponsors, Tops especially, but also Panini and Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So here's some more back and forth with uh, Andy Friedman. Thanks, Andy, and thanks listeners. I, I had thousands of hours keyboarding over the years mm-hmm. doing these price guides i had a close friend that got carpal tunnel and when i was commiserating and concerned and i did some research and i realized why didn't i get carpal tunnel because i was doing these 18 hours a day keyboarding and the reason i didn't is because i didn't know how to type in fact almost all of it was numbers so, a little bit of typing of names, but mostly numbers of changing the prices and entering things like that. And the reason I didn't get carpal tunnel is because I made it more of a larger muscle concept. Basically, since I was a two or three or four finger typist, I'm engaging not just my wrists, I'm not having my palms sitting there. That probably saved me. And now I'm tired. I've got a sore neck, a sore mm. back. Uh, I'm having to raise my arm. Were you ambidextrous in any way? Because I'm a friend that had carpal tunnel and switched hands,
1: artist. No, I didn't. And it, it was suggested to me actually by- Because it's about your vision. Uh, it's about your vision. So yeah, I, I could have started to maybe learn how to switch hit as a visual artist, a drafts person, but I thought it was, I'd have more, I don't know, more fun, just like you say, reinventing and owning who I am now. And that's the artistic- achievement to present who you actually are as a perfectionist who was working for two and a half to three years on an oil painting in retrospect i felt for me that all i was really doing was hiding behind the you know gloss of technique and when people would look at the painting they'd say wow it looks like a photo i did but it is that who i really was well yeah at the time because i really was a perfectionist but it wasn't as scary to share the work because I knew people would be impressed by the technique. In this case, I don't know if people are going to be impressed by the sloppy, seemingly coarse kind of language that improvisational watercolor ink results in. But what I think the deeper conversation is between artist and viewer is uh, genuineness as commodity. Vulnerability is scary. Sharing it is scary. Yes. Okay. So. Let's bring it back to sports card insights and
0: see if you Let's. can philosophize with me for just a moment. Yes. What you just mentioned about this perfectionism and hiding behind and really being perfect. Do you see any parallels there in the modern sports card hobby, especially over the last 18 months, with this obsession for 9.5s and tens, and probably Absolutely. even just for tens because Absolutely. it's it's not really hiding necessarily, but hey, look at my card, it's the finest. Instead of I've got a five, it's almost as beautiful, but now I've got to explain why I have a five instead of a 10, but it's one one hundredth of the price in some cases. So you see a psychological aspect of that? Because if so, it could reverse at some point in the future, this hyper valuation of tens and even 9.5s and even nines in some vintage stuff, that this this extreme valuation, that that there may be some epiphanies for people down the road. That may not always
1: be the case. Are you feeling me on that? A hundred percent. I've thought about it a lot. Yeah, of course there's a parallel. Gem Mint 10. Look, perfection is elusive. Perfection is an ideal that might not even really exist in a certain way, but it does exist in a sports card that's graded a perfect 10. If you possess a card that's graded a Gem Mint 10, you are in receipt. You own a slice of this elusive dream of perfection. And it can't be denied because the sticker says it's a 10 and the price commands it. And I'm not faulting, but that's what it is. Now, subjectively, I have a Gil Hodges card, 1957 tops. It looks like maybe it was in the jeans of a kid who accidentally threw their pants in the laundry. <laughs> or a stuffed in bike spokes in the 50s. It, it, it survived the kid who didn't value their cards in any way, but to make their bikes sound like motorcycles. Now, I, I cherish that card. It's priceless because no one's ever going to buy it. And I don't ever want to sell it. I have a whole collection, actually, of crumpled cards that I think, in a way, are more profound than some of the Gem Mint 10s. Because I asked the Gem Mint 10s, what did you ever accomplish? You've been hiding behind a glass case your whole life. You don't know anything about the real world. You didn't fight any battles. And this poor soldier here on the side of the road is devalued. Okay. Now you could get into that philosophically, but what that gem mint 10 that's worth millions of dollars has achieved is preserving itself as a gem mint 10 its whole life. And that is rare, it brings value. So I'm not questioning that any gem mint 10 or any b- b- perfect card should be worth that much, but I believe it's a combination of the grade and the scarcity, because it could be agreed that the 1957 crumpled Gil Hodges as beautiful and profound and priceless as it is is more common. Supply and demand, but you can't just say demand, it's gotta be demand at the
0: price. There's been a lot of emphasis on STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math. Are you a a STEAM advocate where arts really need to be added into that when people are thinking about their future? That There needs to be not this too much emphasis on the hard sciences, but some liberal arts, how to think, all that stuff. I'm hoping that people will listen to this podcast and learn how to think, not necessarily what to think.
1: And that's where the steam comes into it, I think. Will you Uh, you speak to that and how sports cards could be... I think you're correct on that. I think Robert Henry, one of my favorite artists Ashcan School, early 20th century, New York City, was painting garbage cans at a time when people were, you know, painting lavish pastoral scenes. He said, art is the study of relative thought. And that really resonated with me. It's really all about the study of knowing who you are, how to express yourself, saying what you have to say the way you can say it. So... Whether you're a doctor, lawyer, banker, gardener, chef, whatever it is you do, knowing yourself more thoroughly and your sensibilities and learning who you are at that level is only going to serve you. But what you collect,
0: is that helping you? Is the, the element of self-discovery in what you collect? What they collect, how they collect is a statement about them, their worldview,
1: how they want to be esteemed and, and perceived by others. That's right. It is. just like in art collecting or music collecting, or any kind of collecting. So you're collecting your favorite players for whatever reason you're drawn to those players. For some, it's the stats. For some, it's those heroic moments. For others, it might be the way they look. People might like Herbosky because he's the mad Hungarian in that clip. And okay, so why to, you
0: I used to do Al Herbosky on the mound. When I would pitch, when I would come in, it is a sandlot stuff. I'd go behind the mound start to have a little tantrum, start pounding my glove, and then turn around with a ferocious look and try to throw something wild as a lefty, which I threw a lot of wild stuff. But that was the inspiration of I'm going to get it together here behind them. I'm turn my back and then I'm going to turn around. And so the mad Hungarian was part of my inspiration. That was probably in my 20s. So I was probably old enough to know better. Let's finish up with the Spotlight
1: 70. How people can get it? Spotlight 70 is available as a set, but you have to collect them all. It's not a factory sealed set. It's a tribute to really the art of collecting. Actually, I have to say because of the phenomenon of Collecting because while you have to collect them all to get the whole, it's incentivized somewhat. It's a really fun set in that when you open a pack, and even just opening a pack is nostalgic and part of what you're buying into when you purchase Spotlight 70. But you might be one of 10 collectors who are going to open up a pack and find an original drawing by me signed one of one of a stick of gum. But there are also 15 parallel cards, alternate versions of many of the cards in the base set. There's some rainbow foil. There's some CMYK prints, all one of one. There's also error cards. There are four cards in that set that I submitted. It was my own human error, the Louis Piant 1975. I forgot to uh, duplicate his signature, which is on the front of all those 75 cards, and a few other cards where I forgot an element of it. When I sent in the corrected version, I thought, how fun would it be if we let a few error cards float out there? for people to find and they're they're very rare just like some of the real error cards. Sure. It mimics a lot of what I think most of us as collectors appreciate about the phenomenon of collecting. And in that sense, once this is off the market in terms of the sales window that Tops is offering to purchase the, these packs at the current price, it's going to go over to, to eBay or wherever people are going to go to continue to collect either to build the set, either to get all the CMYKs, to find all the errors, to get the who knows. So that's where cards are just going to take a life of its own from here. And that's when they graduate, grow up and become adult baseball cards out in the world to fend for themselves.
0: And this is just one of the fun things you've done in your life, right? It's not the pinnacle. (laughs) You've got other uh, great ideas in store, I'm sure. I'm very excited
1: about this relationship with, with Tops. I definitely am filled with ideas in the baseball card realm and out of it. And this is It's truly one of the most, if not the most meaningful artistic experience I've ever had because it combines so many of my interests at once without an art director looking over my shoulder and telling me how to do it. So it was just a really profound experience. And the aesthetic appreciation of of cards of collecting is a reflection of who we are. Yes, we're drawn to cards because of the player, because of the gem mint, but also aesthetically People like certain brands, certain graphics. I've talked with some collectors who've been collecting since the 50s who say don't like the 1986 tops, let's say, because to them it was futuristic at, at a time when they were used to a different kind of aesthetic. For me, I lo- the 86, is, so it's, it's about your nostalgia too. So where you come from, when you grew up affects how you're affected by the graphic design of the baseball card. One thing that Spotlight 70 is also doing, it's packaging nostalgia. A lot of people look at these cards, the first card in the set is the Al Oliver, 1981 Tops. Now, Someone could see an Al Oliver, 81 Tops at a card show, point to it and say, wow, I remember that card. But they're probably less likely to react that way to seeing the actual card as if looking at a painting of it makes them go, I remember that card. I want this card now because it contains the nostalgia that I have for that card. Whereas buying the actual card doesn't really do that because you say, you either say or you don't say, I'm interested in that card because my collection commands me to buy this card. It's been a lot of fun to field people's reactions in that way, to flip through and go, oh, 87 tops record breaker card. God, I remember those. That's how these cards to me become landscapes that I've painted. Nostalgia factor for me is packaged in the paintings of the cards. Thanks, Andy, for sharing.
0: Uh, you, you can't help but paint with words and pictures and pictures. <laughs> They're very holistic, really bringing the cards to life. It'd be interesting to see if 81 Al Oliver, the inspiration card, not your
1: artist rendition, gets some additional focus and demand. This is something that would be interesting to speak with you about, actually. I, I wondered that if some of these original cards, if people would start, yeah. uh, you know, hunting them down and if they would suddenly be more in demand. And if suddenly someone was like, oh, actually, I have one of those in a mint Perfect 10. And, people, and show didn't... them
0: side by side.
1: And so what people have been doing, I've been traveling a little bit with a little pop-up exhibit people have been coming to me with the original cards and asking me to sign them. I'm like signing Gary Templeton baseball cards. So that's an interesting thing. And we'll see what happens from, from here with that. But it is certainly an interesting idea that some of these cards can be cherished. And guess what? I have one that's a gem mint 10 and you don't, because you kept yours in a shoebox. If so that kind of thing starts to happen. I think there's many ways to collect
0: and you've added another dimension. Thanks Andy Friedman. Thanks tops for encouraging this activity. And I hope there's uh, many more creative things to come from uh, Tops as well as from you, Andy. Thanks for being on. And uh, thank you, listeners.